upon a time there was a man and a woman who lived in paradise. It was glorious. The sun didn't need to shine because the glory of their creator provided the light. The stars danced and sang in the sky. There was harmony in all of creation. I mean, harmony you could hear, harmony you could feel. It was as though everything that was created by the creator, God, had picked up on its, the heartbeat of the God who created them. It was an amazing time and a beautiful place. And despite the glory that shone brighter than daylight, the people could walk with their creator in the cool of the evening. They could sit and chat with the God of all creation who made them. Now, that situation infuriated the creator's chief enemy, one who had rebelled against him and genuinely hated and loathed everything the creator made for good. It disgusted him that God took such delight in everything God made. And so this enemy crafted a counterfeit of the perfect creation in order to lure the man and the woman away from God and to trick them into even despising God and with any luck even making them despise God every bit as much as this enemy did. And so this enemy created a counterfeit and convinced the man and the woman that, that the God who created them, who took such delight in them, was using them, misusing them, abusing them even, using wily tricks and games to maneuver them into a subservience that was, well, beneath them. They started to believe it. They thought maybe they were being lied to by the one who loved them so much. And so one day they made a terrible mistake, an irreversible mistake, or so it would seem. And they turned from obedience and love to this creator God. And because of that, the creator God couldn't be close to them anymore. Whatever it was about their purity that made it possible for them to experience holding his hand and walking with him arm in arm would now destroy them because of their disobedience, their sin. And so they were cast from paradise. They weren't allowed to be there anymore. They were prevented from experiencing the delight of their creator up close. They were prevented from ever coming back into the creator's presence in that intimate way that they once had. But the creator still loved them desperately. The creator still cared so much for them that even, even as they turned away from the creator, and even though they doubted the creator, the creator said, it's not good for them to be outside of my presence 
because they won't survive. And so at the cost of life, at the expense of a living innocent creature or two or four or five, they were clothed in animal skins and protected from the world of the flesh. And, and so the creator began a new paradigm of protecting them and providing for them. He gave them leadership and he tried to steer them in the right direction, but he would not take away their will and not prevent them. Uh, he would not prevent them from being able to decide for themselves how these things of faith and trust and love would be experienced in their lives. He knew that if they didn't choose to love him, then it wasn't the fullest extent of love. And perhaps it was for that reason that this time of separation was actually good or could serve a greater good. But all the while, the creator had a plan and had a, had a program in place. The creator had every intention of bringing those beloved children that started with that man and woman and now includes you and me. He had every intention of those people coming back to paradise, walking in his presence, watching the stars sing and dance and enjoying the light that comes from his glory. But how would that happen? How would that happen? They couldn't make it happen. They had already re reduced themselves in a way that they could not come back from. And so the creator decided to send his own son to open the way back to paradise and to show them the way and to e equip them with a, a homing beacon, so to speak, you know, to, to create in them a force that would help them find their way home, just like the swallows find their way back to Capistrano, just like the birds fly north and south and the animals know how to shelter in the winter. And he created that whole paradigm while they sinned against him all the more and gave in more and more and more to the temptations of the flesh and the power of the world that was ruled by his enemy who traveled to and fro all over. There's a story that the Bible tells us about a son who had rebelled against his father, who said to his father, I think you're cheating me. I think if I have to wait until you're old and dead to get my inheritance, I'll be too old and near death to enjoy it. And that doesn't seem fair. I want it now. And so the father in love said, well, if that's what you want. And he let the son go. And he let the son take his inheritance. And the inheritance was squandered on things of the flesh in the world of the flesh, away from his father's home, a kind of paradise where everything is secure, where everything is predictable, where everything feels safe, where the smells of home are familiar and the sounds of home sound like music because they're sounds that remind you of a place where you belong. And one day when the son had spent all the money that he'd been given, all the resources that his father had given over to him, he found himself slopping pigs. 
Don't miss the irony of that because pigs weren't exactly the kind of animals that people from his father's family line hung around with. But so desperate was his situation that he slopped pigs just to survive. And he thought for a minute as he was slopping the pigs, my goodness, these pigs are eating better than I do these days. And I imagine him looking down into the slop and the mud and the muck and the pools of water that stood in the footprints of the pigs. And maybe he caught a reflection of himself for just a second. And it reminded him of who he is and where he came from. For a moment, he saw in his own image his father's face, and he remembered his father. He'd long forgotten his father's voice. He'd long forgotten the smells of home, the sounds of home. He'd long forgotten the way home. But in that moment, he saw in the muck in the water pool a picture of his father, and it reminded him of where he came from. And so he decided he needed to go home He didn't know whether he'd be welcome or not, but he decided to go home anyway. He decided that he needed to make peace with his father. He decided that he needed to humble himself and submit to his father and ask for grace from his father, if only so that he could eat a little better than the pigs he was serving. Because it was better to be the lowest of the low in his father's house. And he remembered his father's house again. And so he went on this long, perilous journey, broke and broken, in danger all along the way, walking in ruined shoes and tattered rags for clothes and through all kinds of weather and over all kinds of terrain. And eventually he got to the end of the lane where his father's family property was. And maybe in the distance he heard the bleeding of his father's sheep and maybe, maybe he could catch the smell of wood smoke from the cooking fires. And maybe, maybe as he crested a hill and he looked down towards his father's place, that home that he had known back when he was young and innocent, and he realized what he had left behind for the first time in his life. And he realized where he needed to be, whatever the cost. And then he thought to himself, but I squandered it all, especially the love and the faith of my father. How can I go home? I bet he sat for a while on that little hillside looking down at his father's home. And he thought for a long time about the foolishness of his life. And maybe he imagined his father would never forgive him, and rightly so. What he didn't know was that the father had always expected him to come home and had always hoped and prayed that he would come home. Though he was dead, his father believed that one day he would come back to life, that he would return to the life that was the original plan all along. What the young man didn't know was that his father had already found a way to reconcile the books, to reconcile the harm that was done. The father had already made a way of peace. It just required the son to come home. And then perhaps the father came out of his house later in the day when the sun was setting and it was a little cooler 
So that in the cool of the evening, he glanced up across his land and he saw his son sitting on the hillside up there just outside the reach of his old eyes. And then he realized his son was home. And here's when the father did something the son couldn't have imagined. And the father showed a side of himself that no one knew was there. His father was respected and loved and his dignity was well known throughout the land and the community all respected him as a good and godly man. But his father, his father danced for joy. (laughs) He looked silly. He was so giddy with delight. He looked silly as he danced for joy and he cried and he, and he pranced like a child skipping on the playground and he ran up the hill as fast as he could towards his son and it was, it was a ridiculous and undignified display of sheer rapture. And the son stood as his father approached him trying to figure out what was happening. And then the father grabbed him This old man was a lot stronger than he looked and he grabbed his son and lifted him and swung him around like he was still five years old and his delight was unbelievable. Christmas is God's beginning of the sprint up the hill. See, You're the son, you're the daughter, you're the child, you're the one that he wants home with him in such a terrible way that we can't even grasp it. And he knows that through his plan of redemption, your way is cleared. You just haven't found your way home yet. You haven't found yourself in him yet. You have to look at your reflection in the mirror and realize that that is your father's reflection that is coming from within you. You have to realize where you came from and who you really are. And then when you do, you'll realize how desperately you need to go home. That's why Jesus came. We get hung up on Christmas about the pretty things and the cute things and the lovable, adorable songs and, and other expressions of, of joy that come from this season. But we must never forget that the son was born the same way we are and lived as we live so that he could clear the way for us to go home to the father so that we could break bread at the Father's table again. The Father in that story I just told you set before his returning son, his resurrected son, a feast like they hadn't seen around there in a long, long time. And one of the other sons was a little troubled in that sense that he had been faithful all along and why would his father do this? And the father said, because my son was dead and now he's alive. This is the same kind of celebration Jesus says you can expect when you repent of sin and turn home, steer yourself back home to where you belong, to be who you were made to be. And the amazing thing about Advent is is that it celebrates how God orchestrated all of that with the one intent that you would come home And once again, as you find your way through that treacherous journey home, 
There's one who plans to run and meet you. And we were talking about it the last couple of weeks as we started down this Advent road of ours and realized that Christ is coming again and his plan is to meet you along the way. And don't be, don't be surprised if the Jesus you thought you knew turns out to be very different when you meet him face to face. Don't be surprised if he doesn't look maybe just a little undignified because he is so ecstatic that you found your way home. That's the peace that passes all understanding, is to know that you are welcome in a home you rejected. You are welcomed by one that you despised. You're welcomed by one whose voice you have forgotten the sound of in whose sense and presence have become estranged. He says, just remember, I planted in you the seeds that will help you find your way home. I planted in you an image that you can see if you look hard enough, but you gotta be honest with yourself. You have to admit that you've rejected your father in heaven, that you have intentionally avoided his constant gaze because you wanted to do what your flesh desired. You have to repent. You have to be like the one who was slopping pigs and realized that he'd rather be the lowest of low in his father's house than to keep living like this. And then when you do, things change. Home is a lot closer than you think, but it may take you a while to get there. In the meantime, we have signs along the way that help us remember. And one of those is when we go to the Lord's table in the church together, and we gather around it with all kinds of people, some who sin in more glorious ways than others, but all unwelcome at the table until they've been redeemed by the Son. And when you're redeemed by the Son, then you're all equal at the table of the Lord and welcome there. Because every time we take communion, we're celebrating a small sign of the glorious feast that he has prepared for his wayward children, his children who had died and now are resurrected in the spirit and nature of his own Son the one whose birth we celebrate. Let us pray. Almighty God, burn upon our hearts the word that comes from you. And help us, Lord, to live this redemption, to see in this holy communion the sign of your peace with us, we pray. Amen. Amen.